Please listen carefully. So um, I really just want to use this as a way to um, introduce you to our folks Sweet. and uh, basically do two parts. So first part, kind of get your background and, uh, you know, fitness-wise, coaching-wise, your kind of journey, and then also talk specifically about the gymnastics seminar that you just went to. Cool. Yeah. So... Just introduce yourself, say your name, and um, why don't you give us like your um, your personal history, where you grew up, kind of just a very general personal history. Cool. Um, so my name's Rachel. I grew up in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. I uh, lived there my whole life. Um, grew up as kind of just like your typical suburban kid. Went to went to private school. Didn't really play many sports. Um, I tried swimming and basketball and um, softball and soccer, and I liked them, but I was never good at them. Uh, I was pretty sedentary. I didn't really like exercise. I didn't really enjoy doing things. Um, but I did like team sports because my friends were there. So um, I guess I played team sports until I was in high school, and then high school I kind of Drifted away from that, um, and at that point I was pretty overweight and obese, so it kind of wasn't fun anymore to play. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was fourteen, well, talk talk about that a little more. Like, was it because of being so, bigger? Yeah, that's why you didn't play sports. So I stopped playing sports um, for a lot of reasons. One, I was super self-conscious. Just being like the big kid on the team wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, I couldn't, like, keep up with everybody. So freshman year of high school, I thought, like, oh, I'm going to play on the softball team. Like, it'll be great. I'll have fun. Right. Um, and we had an indoor winter practice, and we had to run around the school, like, three laps. And I couldn't even make it down one corridor before I was, like, done. Mm -hmm. And I knew then, I was like, okay, sports are, sports are probably done for now. Um, so at that point... That was pretty much my only activity, and I stopped. Um, so I kind of just lived like a really sedentary life after that. I would go to school, I'd come home, I would sit at the computer or at the TV and just kind of hang out um, until I would go to bed. There was no real activity going on. There was nothing, um, nothing good about that lifestyle, per se. There was a lot of bad food choices and uh, just wasn't happy. Did you know that at the time? I didn't know then specifically about the food, but I knew that I needed to change something. I knew that I was pretty unhappy with the way I was. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, I wasn't motivated to like change anything. Mm -hmm. I just figured like this is how I'm destined to be. Like this is what's going to happen. This is how my life is going to go. Um, and I just kind of accepted that. Um, but I wasn't happy with that kind of idea for my life. So, um, the end of my freshman year of high school, uh, there was a day when 
my mom and I went shopping because I needed new clothes because my clothes didn't fit anymore, which was like a very common trend at that point. And we went to Kohl's and I bought the biggest size in like the junior's apartment. And I came home and I tried it on because I was too like afraid to try it on the store and it didn't fit. And that was the day that I decided, I was like, okay, something has to like change. I don't know what it's going to be, but something has to get fixed. Um, that was also the first time that like my mom had ever said like, yeah, you're overweight or like, yeah, there's probably a problem here. So that day, um, we called my cousin who practices functional medicine in California and started chatting with him and he kind of talked about maybe there was something going on like food wise because we knew that I had hypothyroidism I'd had it since I was a little kid but when we checked just like your normal basic levels everything looked to be okay so we thought maybe something else is going on so we dug a little deeper and figured out that um, I most likely had celiac disease so said take take gluten out for a week, see what happens. And I took it out, and that was like the first week that I felt like normal. Like I felt mm. energized, I, my stomach didn't hurt, my head didn't hurt, I wasn't getting dizzy in class, I didn't feel like I had to like pass out at any time, I felt awesome. So I kept going with it, and by the end of the month, um, I had lost like 15 pounds without doing anything other than just going gluten-free. Um, I hadn't started exercising yet, but that first like month of that change was like literally life changing. Mm -hmm. um, and ever since then, that's how I've been. And then maybe like five months after I went gluten free, I decided like, oh, might be time to start some activity again. Um, so I just started with like, I would just bike in my basement or like I would walk. Um, and to me, like that felt like a lot of activity at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but then, as I went on, I was like, you know what? Like, I kind of like exercising. I kind of want something more. So I started doing Insanity DVDs, and, like, I went through that whole cycle um, a couple times, and then I got bored. So I switched to P90X, and I did that for a little while. And then I was watching a TV show, and someone talked about CrossFit. And I was like, oh, that looks super cool. What is that? So I looked it up, and I actually found CrossFit King of Prussia, and I was going to join, but it was kind of far from me, and I knew that I wouldn't get there after school, so I decided just to kind of, like, wait and start doing things in my basement. So I was doing, like, what I thought was, like, air squats and push-ups and, like, pull-ups, like, CrossFit in my basement, which it's not, but it was better than what I'd been doing. You were doing. doing what you thought, yeah. So I started doing that for a little while, and then... Like a month or two after that, I decided to look again into maybe finding a gym. And I saw this gym was opening like a mile or two from my house. And I was like, oh, perfect. So I reached out to them and I started there the first day they opened back in 2014. And what year were you? I was a senior in high school. Um, so a few years had passed. And at that point, I had lost... 85 pounds so wow. at that point I was like pretty I was normal weight but I wasn't like strong I wasn't really fit I would describe myself as like skinny fat like normal weight but mm -hmm. body comp total mess mm -hmm. so I went in I did on ramp and I loved it 
I remember the wad was a seven minute AMRAP of five burpees, seven air squats, and nine sit ups. And then you had to run 100 meters. And I was running, and I was like, man, I hate running, but this is super fun. I love this. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, this competitor in me came out that I had no idea existed because <laughs> there were other people around me, like, running. And I was like, oh, well, don't let them beat you. Like, you got to go faster. And all of a sudden, like, seven minutes is up, and I'm in a pile on the floor, like, completely spent. And it was the best seven minutes of a workout that I've ever had. Um, so I decided then that I was going to stick with CrossFit and kind of just grew from there. Um, I kept going. Started out with like three days a week, and then all of a sudden it was like I'm going every day. Mm-hmm. And I love this, and I'm like addicted to it. Like spending nights looking up CrossFit and like reading about it and watching all the crazy videos, and then going to the gym and like trying to get all these new skills. And it was awesome. It was like instant love. Um, and then about eight months into it, I was going to college, and I decided that I wanted to get my L1. So I went to CrossFit King of Prussia and I took it, but I didn't tell anybody I was going to take it because I didn't <laughs> want to like take it, fail, and be that guy that walks in and is like, well, I went, but like, right. I didn't make it. So I took it and the owner of the gym was friends with Amy on Facebook. So Amy right. posts a picture of the level one seminar and she saw me in it and was like, oh, well, how'd it go and all the stuff. Uh, so geez. then... Thankfully, I passed, so, like, there was no embarrassing, like, walk of shame. Like, yeah, I went, but I didn't pass. Um, And after that, I started shadowing um, and coaching and then kind of working my way to coach my own classes. And then it was just, like, this constant need to, like, learn more, like, figure things out. Like, why does this happen when you squat or why is this happening when you're deadlifting? And it just kind of grew from there. And next thing I knew, I was, like, taking a whole bunch of other seminars and just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I could. And here we are, like, four years later. Same thing, just continuing to try and learn and still love CrossFit, still do it all the time. But That's quite a journey, yeah. 85 pounds. So from that initial weight, is mm-hmm. it still about 85 pounds that you had yeah. from, from then to even now? You're just, yeah. body composition's very, very different. Yeah, my body comp is massively different, which is funny because when I started CrossFit, I weigh the same as I did when I started as I do now, but body comp wise, it's totally different. Right. If you had like the awesome. in body scan available, yeah. then like it would show very different massively body different numbers. And muscle mass. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I remember the like maybe a month into CrossFit, we were doing back squat maxes, and I squatted eighty five pounds, and I was like, how did I ever used to walk around with this? Like I don't know mm. how I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a really eye-opening moment for me. I was like, I'm never, never going back to that. Like I have to do whatever I need to to stay with this because it's just it's a good feeling. Yeah. And we have so fast forward through lots of different certifications and mm-hmm. and uh, seminars. We have our level three, mm-hmm. CrossFit level three. Um, so level two is more of a, a, a how to be a better coach. Yeah. Uh, experience no tests though mm-hmm. and then level three is only a written test yeah. um, and when I looked it up I think there were about 450 level three trainers in the United States yeah. um, and I think you're the 15th in Pennsylvania or one of 15 Sweet. Um, in case you didn't know that I did not know that that's kind of cool yeah yeah that was um, a fun a fun 
process to get to that. It's a lot of, you have to be a better coach to take that test. It's not really necessarily like, can I spit stuff out? But it's like, can I understand it? Like, can I look at somebody moving and I know what's going on? So that just makes yeah, you, you can't, better coach. You, you can study for it, but there's a lot of questions that you can't study for. Yeah. It's, it's just experience. You just need to know what's going on, yeah. which is cool. Exactly. Um, do you have any questions before you um, sweet. So let's talk. I think that's a good intro. There's a lot we could mm -hmm. probably dive into, but I want to talk about the gymnastics seminar. Mm -hmm. um, so recently you went to the gymnastics seminar. Mm -hmm. So talk about what that was like, what kind of stuff you did, uh, what you took away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the gymnastics seminar out in Hershey uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was an awesome experience. Um, I remember them talking in the meeting and they were saying like, this should just be called the Hollow and Arch course because like, mm. that's what we're going to spend the whole weekend talking about. First I was like, how do you spend two days talking about the Hollow and the Arch positions? Like, pretty straightforward. And the first exercise we did, we like got into little balls and tried to put ourselves into a perfect hollow from like a seated position. It was one of the hardest things that I had ever done and like, I thought I was okay at those, but it was awful. It was so tough. Um, so it was really eye-opening to me that, like, all these things that, like, we think that we're, we're pretty great at, like pull-ups. I'm like, yeah, I can handle it. And then you go and break it down into, like, its true form, and you're like, oh, I got a lot of stuff I need to fix here. And it's crazy how something so simple as just, like, the hollow position can lead to something like a perfect uh, ring muscle up or front levers, back levers, all these other skills that just starts with something as basic as being on the ground in a hollow. So let's just talk about that just in case someone doesn't know what a hollow is. Mm -hmm. We're talking about um, essentially laying down on the floor mm -hmm. and then tightening the abs up. I like to think about as if someone's about to step on your stomach. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing a sit-up per se, but you're tightening up so that your shoulder blades and uh, your feet kind of come off the ground, yep. right? Um, and so that would be the hollow position. And then the arch position would be very similar, just on your stomach and tightening up your lower back so that your hands rise up in front of you. Uh, in other words, like a Superman yep. position, right? Yeah. Cool. Yes, that was cool. One of, the, uh, one of the first drills we did was with a ring row. And, like, you think of your typical ring rows, like your palms are either facing the ground or maybe they're facing you. Mm -hmm. And then you just pull your chest between the rings, so you pull your elbows back. But instead, this time, it was like, get into your hollow position, squeeze your heels together, then, you know, retract your shoulder blades, get nice and tight, and then pull to your hips mm -hmm. instead of, like, pulling your chest through. And I didn't understand quite why at first, but I went to go do it. I was like, man, this is really hard. And then as the weekend went on and we progressed and we started to go on the rings, we just learned, like, now when you go for your muscle up, if you kip and you do that ring row, all of a sudden, you're over the rings and it's there. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to see that skill transfer over from something that, like, most people do in the gym every day and, like, it's not a big issue. Like, that's their scale, but it's not even a scale. It's just, like, this other movement that leads to everything else. Is that what they were recommending for all ring rows or specifically to kind of progress towards the ring muscle up? More to progress. Um, bring it more towards the hips. Yeah, more to progress. Yeah. But it was also one of those things where it's like, you know, 
whatever you need to do in a workout to like meet that intensity that it's that it's demanding for. So mm-hmm, if it's mm-hmm. you know if you're subbing muscle ups for ring rows, awesome, chase the intensity that you need to. But for every rep you do in a workout, make sure that outside a workout you do at least one perfect rep for that. So if you're going to do like ring rows to your chest in a workout, outside the workout, go do ring rows to your hips so that you gotcha. get that that kind of translation. Yeah. Um, what else did you, uh, were you kind of amazed by or, uh, you know, went in thinking one thing and then you came out the other side realizing another how has your framework of thinking about gymnastics and specifically in a CrossFit class changed? Uh, I think in just in general, the importance of the basic things, like we look at these high school movements and they're so cool and like everybody wants to be able to do them, but even those people who can do those, you don't realize the hours that they're putting in just working on the basic shapes and positions and mm. working on using the proper muscles and the proper techniques so that when they go and do those really high skill movements, it all comes over and it's like a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. I think in a CrossFit class, it's a similar thing where we're like looking at keeping things simple and basic enough that everybody can kind of understand it, but giving people the skills that they need to then like take them and translate it into that high skill movement and making it the way it's supposed to be done. And one other thing was that when you do, like, a strict bulk and you think, like, oh, yeah, I'm using my lats, like, it's great, versus, like, they show you how to force yourself to use your lats to do the pull-up instead of using your biceps, such a huge difference. And it's something, that, like, I didn't even know I wasn't doing, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I didn't know I had these little muscles on the sides of my arms, and I'm really sore, and this is awesome. <laughs> And it would be so much easier in the end, but that was super cool. So learning to train those things too, instead of training, just using like biceps to do a pull up and making it more efficient. Yeah. And what, how you experience that I think is also how we coach our members in that, um, you sometimes have to take a step back to move forward, mm-hmm. right? Take one step back to move two step forward. So when you just said, uh, oh, this will be so much easier in the end, right in that moment in that weekend and then probably right now even doing pull-ups or whatever it is now because you have this new framework of doing things properly it's harder yeah yeah everything is harder harder. now yeah Uh, but in the long run it will pay off because you're being more efficient you have better shapes it will translate to higher skill movements yeah yeah 100 percent. so and the reason i say that is because we lately uh, because of the open and before the open and just because of how we coach, we have a lot of folks who come in with being able to do a particular movement, like uh, toes to bar is a classic example. Mm-hmm. People can jump up, do one single toes to bar where they lean back and they bring their feet to the bar and, and kick the bar essentially. Um, but then that's it. They're, they just do the one and it's, you know, because they essentially just ball up and manage to get it, right? Mm-hmm. So can they do toes to bar? Yes. But can they string together multiples? Can they do it efficiently? Can they do 50 of them, yeah. right? Can they do it um, after doing a bunch of other work in a workout? And so for some people, we've had them actually, even though they have toes to the bar, had them take a step back, only go up to, let's say, 90 degrees, but in a really nice hollow position, 
uh, flex the hips, bring the toes up, uh, keep the feet together, you know, pointed toes and everything to look, I tell them look pretty, right? Like, right. Look pretty. Yeah. Um, because in the long run, we can reduce that range of, or increase that range of motion to actually kick the bar. Mm -hmm. But we need all the other foundational pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. What would, so, you know, you're coming from a very biased position of having lots of certifications of, you know, your bachelor's degree is going to be in exercise physiology, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you, you come in with the bias of knowledge, right? You mm -hmm. already know a lot. Mm -hmm how would you take the information you learned that weekend and then apply it to classes or someone who is brand new to CrossFit or what would you want them to know, I guess? I think just knowing that it has to start somewhere. It has to start with some basic shape of a movement. So starting with something simple will benefit you in the long run. And until like even though it feels silly and it might feel like, man, I'm stuck on the floor forever, or I'm stuck on ring rows forever, like, it's going to pay off because you're that much stronger for it and you're developing the necessary skills and the necessary strength that when that kind of technical piece comes in, it's that much easier and you can just kind of cruise. Cool. Yeah. I like that. And so technically you're a guest on, on this show right now. Yeah. So, and something I asked our guests is uh, what is on your bucket list? And this could be crossover related, could be um, just life related. What's on your bucket list? What? That's a good one. Before you kick the bucket, what do you want to get done or do or see? Or I want to travel to London and Hawaii, which hopefully Hawaii next year. Mm -hmm. um, my best friend's moving to London, so I'm going to try and go oh, visit her. Good excuse. Yeah, yeah, so that's a good excuse to get over there. Um, I would love to get my level four one day. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be a really awesome opportunity. And I think just to kind of, as a general bucket list and life item, is to never close a door to some opportunity to knowledge. So always find the way to keep learning something, and whether that's, you know, in school or in any world situation, just to kind of keep growing. So that's probably like a continual bucket list item, one that will never be really checked off, but... Yeah continue growing kind of thing. Super cool. Mm -hmm. I like it. Sweet. Anything else you want to add? Anything you want people to know about you? Uh, pretty straightforward person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friendly. Super uh, friendly. Yeah. I, I uh, sometimes will be shy, but just come up and chat with me. I'm pretty open. I like to talk. Yeah. I feel like you're someone who, once you get a little more comfortable yeah. with people, you're way more oh, yeah. um, way more yourself but yeah 100% yeah so cool sweet alright thanks hey folks thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio if you like what you heard head over to iTunes and give us a 5 star rating and leave us a review which helps us get found on the interwebs also head over to social media find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFit Kana, K-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks and have a great day.